Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and you're listening to a special Sounds Jewish podcast celebrating Jewish film. And I'm doing it by going to a bar mitzvah. Yes, the memories are flooding back. The voice not quite broken. The relatives pinching my cheeks. The wide lapelled suit from Jeffries of Edgware. But no, it's not really that kind of bar mitzvah. It's the bar mitzvah of the UK Jewish Film Festival, 13 years old this year. I'm at what's called the Red Carpet Breakfast, an exclusive do for the leading lights of Jewish film, many of whom I'll be chatting to later. There isn't an ice sculpture or chopped liver hors d'oeuvre in sight. But the delights I have in store for you. From the Cohen brothers who've just made their most Jewish film ever to the producer of Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, what he calls a Jewish wet dream. We'll be talking about the campaign to boycott Israeli film, hearing about a cracking new tale from Jaffa, and we'll be asking cinema goers in the heart of North London what exactly is the kick of seeing Jews on the big screen. This is Sounds Jewish from The Guardian. The film festival launched its 13th year with the Cohen Brothers' new film, A Serious Man, at the Odeon in Swiss Cottage, London. Please, I need help. I've I've already talked to the other rabbis, please. It's not about Danny's bar mitzvah. My boy Danny, this coming Shabbos, very joyous event, that's all fine. It's it's more about myself. I've, I've had... Quite a bit of tourists lately. Marital problems, professional, you name it. This is not a frivolous request. This is a serious... I'm a serious... I'm a... I've tried to be a serious man, you know? A Serious Man tells the story of Larry Gopnik, a middle-aged Jewish professor entering midlife crisis in the run-up to his son's bar mitzvah in Midwest America. Before we speak to the Cohen brothers about their film, we caught up with the audience minutes after they'd seen the movie. How did the Jewishness of the film strike a chord? Great film, and I think with, with regards to um, the Jewish theme, I thought it was all fairly portrayed. Um, obviously um, stereotyped in certain ways. I also found A Serious Man a very interesting film and also was surprised at how Jewish a story it was. Mm, I agree. And mm. not sure how mainstream audiences would react or understand some of the concepts and ideas and, and actions that go it, on in the film. It went film. beyond stereotypes, didn't it? There were some deep issues, the debut, yeah. the idea of being possessed. It was uh, the mystical aspects of Judaism in, in the film. The voice of North London having been confronted with the most Jewish film ever, A Serious Man, by Joel and Ethan Cohen. I caught up with the Cohen brothers on their recent visit to London. I asked them, how come it's taken them so long to make such a personal film? Well, it, it certainly was personal in the respect that we were, you know, we personally lived in a community like that. Um, in 1967, we were around the age of the kids in the movie, and... Um, the whole milieu of the movie, the context of the movie, is very familiar to us. Mm. We had a fairly, you know, banal and uneventful childhood. It was, I think it took us, you know, 10 or 20, 30, no, 30 years to sort of... even the interest. Yeah, exactly. It really didn't seem that interesting when it was sort of a, a fresher experience or more recent experience. I think the age and... Those many decades of hindsight have uh, create, made it somewhat more exotic and interesting to us as a subject to explore. The, uh, the writing is, is terrific, if I may turn to the writer. Um, it is, uh, I wondered if the, the Yiddish folktale that is the prologue 
which is just wonderful. You you made that up, didn't you? You're making up Yiddish folk tales now. Right, we're making up Yiddish folk. So you're making up Yiddish folk tales now. Yes, uh, guilty. We uh, wanted to start with something that would smack of that would feel like a folk tale, and we just didn't know any appropriate ones. Uh, so we we made up our own. You know, we were actually we actually in in a pretty self conscious way made up our own kind of folktale. We we were we read some you know Isaac Bischoff's singer mm-hmm. who likes those kind of stories who likes those kind of that kind of marriage of the homey and the supernatural and just the feeling of that seemed right. So we 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 came up with what you see at the beginning of the movie. Just to come back to the the, the Jewish question, God, I sound I sound like some SS God. leader. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Would you say that your films? Have have been have always been Jewish? Are you well, Jewish filmmakers? Say, yeah, I mean we're Jewish filmmakers. I guess you could make that case. I certainly, um, I, 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 it's certainly true. I guess that we haven't. It's not like we've we've tiptoed around that before. It's not like we've avoided the subject um, in terms of um, situations and characters that from other movies it's not been a preoccupation by any means or even sort of central to anything else that we've done but it's been there in one form or another in a number of different movies so yeah. um uh, in barton fink i i, I would yeah, suppose is probably a, your, your most out jewish character right barton fink the central character was jewish and the big lebowski since you mentioned it there was a converted jew converted mm-hmm. but very observant devout jew played <laughs> yes, by sir. john goodman but the movie business itself has always been, you know, Jewish. largely Jewish. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jews who, for the most part, wanted to assimilate. A friend of ours said, if the movie business weren't difficult, God wouldn't have given it to the Jews. <laughs> he was a good friend. Uh, this also indulges the, the Yiddish aspect of it. <laughs> um, the Yiddish aspect of it indulges your penchant, which I spoke to you before about, for, for brilliant names, ridiculous names. Solomon Schlutz. Oh, that is a good name, actually. Yes. Yeah, that is a good name. Yeah, the name of the firm was Siegelstein Schlutz, the senior partner being, one of the two partners being Solomon Schlutz. Yeah. Yes, people always wanted to mispronounce it and call him Schultz, and we had to always correct them. <laughs> yeah, do you enjoy the, some processes more than others doing, doing some films? Because this one, obviously, you, you must have recreated your, 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 your home in some sense. Your, yeah. there, there must have been some fun involved, more so than, let's say, like plucking one out of the air, just to, than recreating say that the man who wasn't there, for example. Although you're going to tell me that was actually your favorite movie. And I, well, yeah. that was, yeah, it's just a different kind of fun. But yes, it was fun. I mean, it was. there is something that's kind of uh, stimulating or it gives you a charge somehow recreating things that are familiar from your childhood, just like there's, I mean, it's something people are familiar with. There's, you get a kind of a charge walking into visiting home again if you've been away for a long time. Visiting something that's familiar only mm. from childhood, mm. you get that same kind of kick, yeah. That was the Cohen brothers, Joel and Ethan, there. I'm now joined by the director and founder of the UK Jewish Film Festival, Judy Ironside. Uh, Judy, uh, the Cohen brothers, that was your kicking off gala. It was a big, big uh, event, I suppose. You couldn't hope for a more Jewish film to start the UK Jewish Film Festival. It's an absolute gift for, a, for the UK Jewish Film Festival to be offered the Jewish premiere of the most Jewish film you can imagine, and by the Cohen brothers. Do you think Jews will find it too Jewish? Do you think some Jews will be a bit concerned? that to ha- But Jews, I often find, and I know you directing the festival, when you see Jewish culture reflected and kind of people let in on the secret, they get a bit antsy that people know too much, that it's revealing too much. I don't know about 
revealing too much. I don't think personally that I feel that because what I want is for people to learn about Jewish culture through film and therefore, personally, I think the more we know about other cultures, we can grow respect for difference rather than grow fear for difference. Um, I think it's uncomfortable, some of the um, stereotyping in the film, but hey, that's all right. We can feel uncomfortable as, whether, as well as entertained and amused. What, what bits? I mean, it's the Coen brothers. They, they kind of pride themselves on kind of uncomfortableness. Which, which, which bits do you think that might kind of prove those moments uncomfortable? I think some of the uh, scenes with the young boy and his sister... They, they are so stereotyped, and they're, they're ugly, in inverted commas. You know, they don't beautify it. The Coen brothers, if they show um, an ear, they don't leave it at that. They show every hair and, and freckle within the ear, and that's sort of what they did, I think, with the young people. They showed every freckle, every blemish, both of their characters and physically. They didn't beautify anything. It is a mitzvah movie in a way, and I suppose that, I remember it myself, you're worried that a zit's going to come, you get, I mean, you're not your best looking for your mitzvah. I know there's photos, even in the home we're in now, there's the mitzvah photographs around, it's a mitzvah edition at the festival. I suppose that's what they want to show, the zits and all, kind of 13-year-old burgeoning Jewish boy. Uh, it kind of seems apt to have a mitzvah film, which I suppose it is, as part of the mitzvah celebrations for the UKJFF. Uh, just finally, Judy, you, 13 years, you've watched it grow up, it's now about to sing, the the mitzvah portion for itself the UK Jewish Film Festival I think this is a kind of landmark year for Jewish film never had it so good in a way success at Venice, success at the London Film Festival have you noticed it growing in confidence? Oh absolutely I think um, the Israeli film industry has really grown up it's matured for example and other Jewish films I think much more confidence about making the statement that this is about Jewish life and culture I've seen it grow enormously and um, all to the good. Brilliant. Judy, Ironside, thank you very much. Go and enjoy some bagels. You're listening to Sounds Jewish from The Guardian. You couldn't find anything sounding more Jewish than the story of Zara Zimmerman in a new comedy, That's For Me, directed by Claudia Schulte and starring Deborah Tammer as a North London wannabe on a mission to crack the big time at any cost. I think that the most important thing for an actress is that she has that, some people call it the X factor. I like to call it star quality. And without sounding like a show-off, you know, I I do think I've got it. Deborah and Claudia join me now. Uh, Congratulations on your film. Claudia, uh, where did you come up with the idea for this kind of Jewish stardom groping for for the the stars in uh, in North London? Well, um, Deborah invented the character of Zara... um, ..and then we sort of built it from there. But basically, I'm quite obsessed with reality TV. Um, I've watched loads and loads of MTV... ..and um, I think it definitely inspired me. This, this film certainly got the X factor for me, Deborah. I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, it's very Jewish, but I don't suppose you have to be Jewish to understand it. No, you don't, because I think all of us have a little wannabe inside trying to get out. So it doesn't matter where you come from, you'll always meet somebody who thinks that they're better than they are, you know. So it's, it's all about that person who really thinks that they're talented and they should win an Oscar, but they never will. I think you should win an Oscar, Deborah. <laughs> by, me, you're, by me, you're a star. Uh, where did you come up with the idea for Zara Zimmerman? Great name. 
Uh, Zara Zimmerman. Well, I, I always liked alliteration and um, I just thought she needed a name that was very much sort of like a biblical name. So Sarah, obviously, Sarah, Sarah is biblical, but not quite. Sort of always something a little bit more pizzazz. So you add a za and you've got Zara. And then um, I just thought, well, what goes with za? And there it came, Zimmerman, you know. So, and I know that Bob Dylan's original name was that. And I'm sure Zara would claim that she's related to him. Can you give us a little, a little taste of Zara? What, you mean the way she talks? Well, it's very lantern, obviously, and she sort of always pushes her face forward and her lips come forward. It's quite hard to do without all the makeup because the makeup helps the voice. Um, but, you know, she really is quite earnest as well, and everything she says is very meaningful. Thank you, Zara. Uh, Claudia, uh, what's she like to work with, this Zara Zimmerman? Absolute nightmare. She had to have her own trailer, she had special scented candles, she had a special, very restricted no wheat, no yeast, obviously no caffeine diet. We had to get in special food for her. She had her special masseurs. Very difficult, I'm afraid. Very, very hard, you know. Much of your film takes place, what I love about it, around the Friday night dinner table. It's that kind of Jewish. Every time something happens to poor Zara or doesn't happen to her, she has to come back to Friday night dinner and kind of face her family. Why isn't it happening for her? Uh, the dietary requirements must have, been a, must have been a nightmare around a Friday night. A nightmare, a nightmare. You know, as I said, we had to cook one different meal for each cast member almost, including the life coach who was on a juice-only diet. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, we had a lot of fun doing those dinners. Um, we, could, we, we did make real dinner food for everyone to eat, so it had a sort of feeling of being real. And the way that we worked the dinners was that each person in the cast didn't actually know what was going to happen during the scene. And so I would give them a line that they had to pick up on. So when, I don't know, when your mother says that she's made a special effort with the chicken soup is also the night that you decide to tell her you're getting married. But what then the mother doesn't know what's then going to happen. So we tried to capture as much as possible real reactions as they were happening. So the cast didn't know the plot of the film whilst we were shooting. So it was a, kind of a, a kind of Mike Lee technique mixed with a bit of mockumentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Works very, it works very well, I think. Good, I hope so. Hopefully it'll do, it'll do well around the country. Were you worried about putting too much Jewishness in it? Or I think the more Jewish it is, the kind of easier it is to understand in a way. To be honest, I didn't really think too much about the Jewishness of it when we were making it, other than that feeling of like being the underdog, which kind of fuels Zara and the family into thinking that that's why she's being mistreated. So there's a bit of that going on. But I think everyone has a bit of that, depending on you know, which aspect of underdog they want to take on, but whatever it is, too fat, too thin, too blonde, too Jew, too Muslim, too whatever, poor, rich, you name it. I think it came off handsomely in, in That's For Me. I wish you the best of luck with the film at the festival and the best of luck with the film after the festival. I think it's got a life beyond this film festival. Thank you. Top. Thank you so much. I'm with director Joran Shani, who's just won the BFI Sutherland Award for the best first feature at the London Film Festival. His film Ajami now plays at the UK Jewish Film Festival. Uh, welcome, Joran, to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, congratulations on your film. Can you just tell us a little bit about the film? Well, the film is, uh, it tells various stories about human beings who live in a very tough reality. They're basically, they are being crushed under a very segregated and violent reality. Where, where is their reality? Where is Ajami? Ajami is a neighborhood in Jaffa, which is a district south of Tel Aviv. It's uh, mostly populated by Arabs, Arabs, Palestinians. 
and the, as and if you know the geographical place it's like a small ghetto of Arabs inside a huge urban center of Jews uh, the film is very exciting it's a kind of realistic uh, take it, it was thrilling for me to watch Israeli film kind of have a uh, it was kind of like watching Scorsese do do Israel it was a, a new a new look uh, film it seemed to me was that the idea well the idea was trying to to make something which is m- very much real you know to use uh, non-actors to not giving them the script to 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 try to make them experience the story like it's really happening so the shooting is also based on this very spontaneous uh, way of work and the story is very complicated and very sophisticated so that's why maybe you come to this Scorsese distinction you know It's interesting. You 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 filmed. Uh, you're a co-director on on Ajami with uh, Skander Kopti, who's a Palestinian. Is that right? Yeah, he's a Palestinian. He holds uh, an Israeli part, uh, citizenship. Well, in fact, most of the characters in this film are well. Everybody who lives in Ajami is a, is an Israeli citizen. They vote for the Israeli parliament. They have like citizen rights. But of course, they live in a Jewish state in which the, the, the police is Jewish and the city hall is Jewish and the government is mostly Jewish. And that means uh, many problems, social, social and, and political problems. Uh, was it, uh, is it controversial? <laughs> is it seen as controversial for you to be working with a Palestinian director and making a film coming together? How, how did you work together? Was it important for you to work together? Well, basically, it was very natural. It didn't have any complications at all. Uh, for both of us, and I think for many people around us, it was very exciting because he comes from a different place, from a different mentality and different values. And I come, and I also come from something which is unfamiliar for him. And that's why we respected each other, and we were very much dependent on the other side to bring something that... Well, I was I was expecting him to bring something that I couldn't bring myself. So the the joint work of both of us was very very fruit, fruitful and very exciting. How important is it for Israeli film to show these things? What what is the, the current kind of obsession uh, of Israeli film? We're seeing lots of films about the Lebanon war, obviously with Walter Bashir and Lebanon of Samuel Mowers. Uh, for you to show a film like this, it, it seems a, a different aspect of Israeli film. It's not particularly about religion. It's not particularly about being Jewish. Well, actually, this film is showing something that has never been portrayed in cinema before. Not, you know, especially not in Israel. If you have something that is dealing with the Arab world inside Israel, it's a Jewish writer and a Jewish director usually do that. So this is maybe, I think it's very unusual to see a film like that, which is also portrayed by real people from the real world of the film, you know. They, and they weren't given a script. They were like uh, experiencing and behaving in their own way, their own characteristics, you know. 
So it's a very unique film in the, the map of the film industry in Israel. Using real people, real Jews, real Arabs when you're filming, were there any tensions that spilled over? Well, of course there were, but they were like beneath everything. Like in everyday living, you know, you have Jews and Arabs living together, working together. It's like, it's like you have all the tensions, all the problems, all the, the, the political issues, the, 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 the hatred, the racism, the discrimination, the anger, the, the mistrust. You have it all underneath everything. So that people were working together, it was lovely, it was very, you know, they were hugging each other also. But underneath that, you have problems. And that's Israel. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yaran Shani, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on Ajami, which has been picked up for distribution by Vertigo Films and will be out across the UK next year. One of the most significant Jewish events in recent cinema history is Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, a Nazi war film about a group of Jewish soldiers sent behind enemy lines to scalp Nazi criminals in war-occupied France. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray, and I need me eight soldiers. We're going to be dropped into France dressed as civilians. We're going to be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe to murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're going to do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty. In the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies, their brothers, we leave behind us. Lawrence Bender has produced all of Tarantino's films, from Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and all the way up to Inglorious Bastards. I started out by asking him how he reacted as a Jew when Tarantino showed him this controversial script. One of the first things I said to him when I read the script was, first of all, I thank you as a fan, second of all, I thank you as your producing partner, and third, I thank you as a Jewish member of the tribe. I just went, this is, you know, this is like a, a dream for a Jewish person, you know, to to kill and murder Hitler in that kind of way is just, you know, phenomenally um, just cathartic. And, um, and so I was, I was quite thrilled. Right, so you, you, <laughs> so felt, you felt that, uh, Lawrence, you felt you were with Eli Roth, who called it, I think, in the, in the press conference again, kosher porn. <laughs> yes, that's how Eli, <laughs> Eli referred to it. I referred to it as um, a Jewish wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've all had them. You didn't think that it played a bit fast and loose with history, that you thought that it, it, it was justified in, in that kind of dreamlike, as you say, wish fulfillment or that dreamlike kind of uh, uh, ambition of every Jew, that kind of cry to, to, to God, I wish we could uh, you know, take down the Third Reich or have taken down the Third Reich. Right. Well, certainly it, it's not, it, it, is, it does play fast and loose from history in the, only in the sense that, you know, his, his Quentin's characters do change history, but... It's not, the movie's not a history lesson. Here's the interesting thing, though. Of course, it's not, it's not Schindler's List, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal movie, of course. But it was a Holocaust movie. And this is not a Holocaust movie. <laughs> we should never forget. And that's absolutely the case. But it's time to start looking at ourselves, Jews, not in relationship to the Holocaust, but in terms of moving forward. So to me, this movie is, is sort of like a new generation, a new sort of moving forward, good for the Jews, showing that, you know, 
and sort of energizing and fun in a way, but also important for Jewish people because it, it shows us empowered, and I think it's great. Uh, it's also, it comes in, in a year when Israeli cinema is kind of maturing and, and at its highest level ever. It won the Venice uh, Golden Lion for the, the right. film Lebanon by Samuel Maoz. Yep. Uh, three films in the London Film Festival, the Sutherland Award, which is for the for best new first or second feature. Uh, three out of the 12 nominees were Israeli, film Ajami, film Eyes Wide Open, and of course Lebanon. The, the, it seems that Israeli film is coming to, uh, it, it is taking that forward. There are some tough Jews making films. And it's wonderful. Look, I'm not a nationalist in the point of view of like, well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that Israel is finally having a, a, a renaissance of filmmaking. But it's, I think it's always wonderful to see any country to have a, a renaissance of filmmaking because it's, it's always very specific to their culture. You can never duplicate it. From, in another country, it comes directly from the soul of the people out there. And in this case, you're right, the Israelis are doing that. It's fabulous. With great power comes great responsibility, and with great production comes great responsibility. Israel was also the subject of a protest at Toronto as well. Some filmmakers, including our own Ken Loach, were urging people to protest against the use of Tel Aviv as, a, as the city-by-city city production focus uh, this year. Does, does that square? How do you square that, uh, you know, the wider view of <laughs> I, Israel? I thought that... I thought that was ridiculous. I just thought that was absurd. You know, the president of Iran, Ahmadinejad, is threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the map. But I would never boycott seeing an Iranian movie. And I'm a Jew. I mean, it just makes no sense. I mean, you know, the idea is to support art and cinema. And uh, if you politically have an issue with a country, so be it. But that doesn't mean you should boycott their artists. I just thought that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, and I was, I was pissed off about it. And by the way, some of those movies that they're protesting are critical of Israel. You know, Israel's a democracy, and so the whole idea is that you can criticize your government. I fight for the right for you to be able to criticize, right? I mean, it's, the whole thing that I thought was ridiculous. Lawrence Bender there, the producer of Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards, out on DVD and Blu-ray on December the 7th. But as you heard in that interview, at September's Toronto International Film Festival, the largest in America, a group of artists and film folk rather dampened celebrations of Israeli film. Names protesting included Ken Loach, Danny Glover, David Byrne and Naomi Klein, as well as Jane Fonda, although the actress has since apologised for getting involved. Canadian-born filmmaker Elle Flanders, who's also lived in Israel, helped draft the Toronto Declaration. The Toronto Declaration, which was a protest against the Toronto International Film Festival's choice to spotlight Tel Aviv, was very specific. It wasn't about the films. It wasn't even about the filmmakers. It was about the frame of the uh, spotlighting and celebrating what, what became known as a celebration of Tel Aviv for its 100th birthday. And we felt that not only was it in poor taste, but eight months after Gaza, that it was politically irresponsible. And so we saw it very much as not only co-opting the Toronto International Film Festival, but we were a bit horrified as filmmakers belonging to this community here to see our festival be used for propaganda. I am truly blessed that I'm joined by four women that make up the Knish Collective, whose uh, short film has been chosen this year by the UK Jewish Film Festival to be their short film uh, of the year. It's called I Am Ruthie Siegel, Hear Me Roar, and here to tell us more about it is Judy Battalion. What wrote it? 
I am Ruthie Siegel. Hear Me Roar is a 10-minute musical comedy, feminist, Jewish, coming-of-age film about Ruthie Siegel's bat mitzvah. Mazel tov. I can't, I can't think of a, of, of, a, of, a more, of a more frightening event. So, um, it, it's great to have so many women on, on the programme. I'm a Jewish man. I have trouble finding so many women, uh, but I've done so well here today. I, I, it's a matriarchal religion, of course, and this is clear. It's a matriarchal it. film. Is it? It is completely, yes. So we are the four writers and producers. Um, and you are? I am Michaela Broomberg. And you are? Rachel Mars. Claire Berlina. And Judy Battalion. And that's the Knish Collective. Um, so how, so who, who did what? <laughs> we, we work as a unit. And we, well, we came together because we have uh, complementary skills, let's say, and we had a sort of shared vision in terms of our Jewishness and our feminism and our humour. And we wanted to find a way to put them all together. And uh, we came up with Ruthie Siegel's Bat Mitzvah as a way of putting that into vision. So what happens in, in, in the film? Um, Ruthie Siegel, high hopes, high hopes for her bat mitzvah, but of course all she really has to do is deliver a quite boring speech about a famous woman in the Bible, which was definitely my experience of my bat mitzvah <laughs> and quite a lot of people's. And so she gets to the bimmer and instead of delivering her speech, she goes into a big kind of rebellion musical song and then leads the community in a big dance off. Today I am a woman, what does it really mean? I'm wearing a bra for the first time, or then three weeks off 13. Should I get my period or cook a meal? If that's all there is to womanhood, then tell me, what's the big deal? Where did you get the, the, these ideas from? You've all had a bat for yourself? I had a bat and it was quite boring, and I did have to do a quite boring speech, and I had to share my platform with six other people, and then and I, I got much worse presents than my brother, and <laughs> I was kind of angry. I guess I still am. <laughs> I refused yeah. one and went to Alton Towers for feminist reasons. I, the refusal was feminist, not the Alton Towers decision, which I know could go either way. We all, like, bonded over this experience, this international experience of having this opportunity where people come to a bat mitzvah, there are bat mitzvahs, there are chickens and caterers and 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 yet eh, it's a bit eh, you know yeah. and i think we just want to like reinvigorate the bat mitzvah here's a chance to to have this amazing jewish woman's ceremony and i think what's important to us in the film was to make it fun and funny and uh life filled if only the world were different if only you let me say if only i not sat up there while the men were doing their thing I wanted a starring role today that would mean something to me But this is just bullshit, not what I thought it would be it seems to me there are, there are plenty of films about bar mitzvah, about the Jewish boy coming of age and that ceremony. Why has the bat mitzvah been overlooked, Judy? Well, I, I can't tell you why people have overlooked it, um, and we haven't. Uh, but certainly there have been many films about bar mitzvahs, both in the UK and in America. So that's not been a taboo topic at all. Um, and there's been actually very little, even in fiction, even in theatre, we were trying to come up with, you know, where does this fit into a legacy of Jewish feminist humorous art? Um, but I don't know. I mean, we're trying to make that legacy, maybe, because I, yeah. I don't think it exists. Why are you the Knish Collective? What does the Knish Collective mean? A Knish is, a, is a, like a little a jewish kind of uh, potato cake. Yeah, that's one meaning. Uh, knish is also uh, Yiddish slang for uh, women's parts. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Most Jewish boys don't know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere near Minsk. 
That brings to an end this bumper edition of Sounds Jewish, our film special from the Bermitzvah edition of the UK Jewish Film Festival. My thanks to our guests this month, to the Cohen brothers, to Lawrence Bender, to Ajami director Yoran Shani, to Judy Battalion, Claudia Schulte, Deborah Tammer, Judy Ironside... Ah, feels like a Bermitzvah speech. And to our sponsors, the Jewish Community Centre for London. From me, Jason Solomons, and my producer on Sounds Jewish, Sarah Peters, it's goodbye. Shalom, shalom.